On this episode, I go into one of the main kind of challenges that is happening with the current Attica business model and my entry into esports. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of Ars Notes. So as mentioned last week, we're into the new format. So today's episode is all about Attica and the startup journey that I've been through. Um, so realistically, it's going to be about the week that was. Um, kind of give you some insights as to what I'm doing day to day. Give you insights as to what I'm learning, what I'm failing at, and um, how things are changing within the business. So obviously on the back of last week, you know, I had a lot of interruption with uh, client delivery work. Um, there was a week where I couldn't post. And so, you know, now that we're starting to get business and revenue through um, Attica, uh, the challenge that you face now is where I had a lot of time to build this business up from the ground up. I had a lot of time to look at CRM, uh, marketing automation, blog content, um, obviously recording uh, this series. The moment now that I'm starting to deliver for an end customer, it's detracting a lot of time. And so trying to find that balance of delivery and keeping on top of all these other elements of the business is already starting to become a challenge. Uh, One thing that I've realized very quickly is that I've already started to underestimate how long it actually takes to deliver for a client, um, where I estimated things to be, you know, half a day. It's actually coming up to be almost a a full day or day and a half worth of effort. Um, And so it's giving me a a sense of realism around what it takes to actually deliver, um, especially against what I thought it would. And so the only learning that I can really take from this is while I've committed to my customer to deliver and 100% I will be, one thing that I will have to take away for the future is having that level of realism around how long it actually takes um, and obviously setting expectations with uh, future clients uh, into the future. And so that, that's obviously a, a big learning for me. And, and you know, this is just starting to pick up. And another piece that I realized very quickly um, with this client was what I thought this technology advisory subscription was going to be is nothing like what I'm delivering to my end customer now. And this is actually um, what I was expecting to happen, uh, but not to the degree in which it did. Now, let me explain that one. So for many of you who aren't aware, um, the technology advisory subscription from Attica, uh, its core purpose was to empower all not-for-profits and small-medium enterprises uh, with the skill of a technology advisor, um, a, t- a chief technology officer, a senior technology business partner. You know these roles that would traditionally help translate uh, the business to the tech and the tech to the business, being that bridge. Um, because not many people have this skill, and it's a skill that's incredibly in demand in the market. And so the premise behind Attica was to be able to effectively deliver that skill set into our customers. We weren't worried about doing the work. We weren't worried about having the entire role. We were worried about the skill set that was being that was lacking uh, in the market. So the idea was we'd be able to provide virtual support, whether it be over the phone, over email, over text. The communication medium didn't matter. 
but it was to enable people with this skill set so that they could go out and effectively execute. Now, in reality, having delivered for this customer now, uh, what is already quite apparent is um, because they were small and starting to scale, uh, they didn't have the resources necessarily in-house to handle the workload to begin with. And so one of the major assumptions that I made, which was that they were that they had the people, um, and so all I had to do was augment their skill sets. This one was they didn't even they didn't have the people either because they were in a phase of massive growth. And so this subscription model doesn't stack up how I thought it would. Now this is important because you know every customer is going to be different. Every customer's environment is going to be vastly different. And so now I need to start thinking about over the next. A couple of weeks, and it's lucky that I'm going into the Christmas break because I'll have that time to re-engineer, take a lot of these learnings on board to work out how I position this to the market into the new year. But now I need to start taking into account that how does this model work knowing what's happened in this particular example when you've got varying stages within each, each of your customers. Some will be going through growth. Some will be going through revenue decline. Some will be stable humming along. Some will have an overhead of people that they don't know what to do with. Some will have a deficiency in the amount of people they have and need to scale or need to hire. Now, how does this subscription work in a variety of scenarios uh, without affecting its delivery uh, overly too much? So that's a big challenge for me and one that um, I obviously need to tackle. And, and I think this is key for any new venture, any startup, is that regardless of what industry you're in, you're not going to face the ideal situation. You're going to come up against similar things like this. Um, and so you just need to power through it. You need to tackle it and learn and uh, obviously move on. So that was a key one for me uh, over the past couple of weeks that I really wanted to share with you guys um, because uh, um, it's, it's a struggle for me personally, struggle for me in the business because now I need to rethink uh, my entire business model. Uh, and the second piece, and this is the exciting one. So over the last couple of months, I've been really, really fascinated by esports. Um, today, it's a billion dollar industry globally. Um, but having done a bit of research on this one a couple of weeks back, look, it's projected to hit 1.6 to 1.8 billion by 2021. So, you know, almost doubling what it is today in the next two to three years, which is absolutely incredible. One thing that I also realized was that esports, um, not yet widely accepted um, by society, you know, esports stars aren't held in any way near the regard that traditional sporting stars are today. But all the signs that it's about to go into a level of mainstream are there. Uh, earlier in the year, I attended the Melbourne Esports Festival, and that was absolutely incredible because, and while I got video footage of it, and I need to actually create a video uh, around that one, the Melbourne Esports Festival was held at Melbourne Olympic Parks. Now, for all of you in Melbourne, you know exactly what this is, but for those who don't, this is where the Australian Open is held. You know. It's one of the greatest sporting precincts in the world. And an eSports festival was held at Melbourne and Olympic Parks. That already is a huge indicator for me that this is growing and it's grown to a scale in which it can have a day in a world-class sporting precinct. 
Um, and so already my, my interest in this space was peaked. Not so much from a, this is gonna go mainstream, so there's a lot of opportunity from the consumer's perspective, but rather that I realized that sports plays a huge role within corporate Australia. Hell, corporate globally. You know, brands will sponsor events, will sponsor teams in order to get a level of brand awareness and tie their brand to that team in an effort to boost themselves up into the market, to create that emotional connection uh, with their end customers. Um, and we are at the infancy of this in esports. But one of the challenges that I've seen and having worked in corporate is, you know, no one knows anything about esports. And so none of these corporates will have the capability behind them uh, in order to capitalize on this opportunity. And as I mentioned, you know, this is still in its infancy. It's only a billion dollar industry globally. And so my personal view, and obviously this needs level of exploration, is that in if organizations, corporates and enterprises started to invest today while it's still in its infancy, they have a far greater chance of capitalizing and having an incredible amount of ROI or maybe a disproportionate ROI is a better way to describe it um, if they invest now and become that dominant corporate brand uh, in esports. And so the business, from my perspective, you know, I'm in technology advisory now, but I could almost see the possibility of an esports advisory uh, for mid to large corporates in a very similar model that Attica delivers today with its technology advisory subscription. And one thing that, I, and the reason why it came up this week was uh, over the weekend, I went to the AMD uh, Dota 2 uh, Pro Series event uh, that was at the Melbourne and Convention, Melbourne Exhibition and Convention Center. Um, and seeing the setup, um, actually being immersed in that two-day event, uh, I couldn't stay the whole day on the Saturday, but I was there all of Sunday, uh, all the way through to about 10 p.m. the event went through. I went, I left a bit earlier, but, you know, it was a long day, but uh, an absolutely incredible event. Uh, and it just showed that a sport, an e-sport, a game that I used to play uh, back in my days of uni has come to a point now where it's pulling crowds. Um, it's having huge prize money, uh, $50,000 here in Australia, but in the recent international competition, something like $12 million were, was paid out to the winning team. Uh, one of which on that team was an Australian who I think pulled in $1.8 million from that one tournament. So talk about scale. That was just one game, $12.8 million in prize money. You can imagine um, what the industry is going to look like uh, in a couple of years' time if that kind of prize money is on the table. And so uh, one key thing that I'm now exploring, um, and please, if you guys are interested, hit me up. Um, I'm, I'm always keen to have the discussions around these emerging trends is what is the opportunity for Attica now in this esports space, specifically when it comes to corporate and enterprise engagement in the sector? I know that there's a huge gap there that not a lot of people know how to capitalize on it. And it's not for me just about brand. Um, and this is where I'm gonna give pretty much everything away for free because if you can execute on this better, um, go for your life. But how do corporates leverage esports, not just from a brand marketing perspective, 
not just from a corporate hospitality perspective, but how do they use it to modernize their brands, to be relevant to uh, a younger generation? How do they use it as an attraction strategy for talent in the market around fields like AI, digital, robotics, whatever those emerging trends are, and where we're seeing a lot of skills gaps today? How do they use it as a platform to um, effectively shift their brand from analog to digital because you're moving from effectively physical sports to now esports. There are a lot of implications to not only brand but skills, talent, and people that I don't think that a corporate today with their current in-house skill sets and understanding of the broader industry of esports can capitalize on nor even understand how to even justify investment and understand what that return would look like. And so, you know, having gone to a couple of events, I'll be going to a couple of meetups over the next couple of months and really uh, immersing myself in this industry, um, I'm going to start exploring what that kind of looks like. I'm already in the in I'm already looking for a potential business partner uh, for this, uh, someone that's within the esports arena. Uh, and hopefully I find one. If not, uh, you know, I'm just going to tackle it myself because uh, it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. So um, anything that I enjoy is pretty much my guiding star now for Attica. Uh, and so uh, just a quick piece on that one there. You know, Attica was built around, you know, my skill sets to be able to translate business to tech, but also because I find it incredibly enjoyable to do. And so one thing that I promised myself when I was going to do this business was it had to be something that I loved and that I enjoyed. And so, you know, I love esports. I love watching it and the amount of Dota that I watch on YouTube is ridiculous, but I know I love it. And so I'm going to be able to go hard at it. Um, that's my guiding star as to where the, my business kind of flourishes and where it goes. If it's not something I'm going to enjoy, it's not something that I'm good at, if it's not something I can deliver effectively, there's no point in me doing it because there's someone out there that can do it a hell of a lot better than I can and I'll be doing it just for the money. Uh, and that is not a sustainable business model for me personally. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully it's given you a bit of insight. And I know that this week has been uh, relatively fruitful for me because I've been able to, you know, really identify uh, a lot of things uh, in my business that need to change. I've, you know, found new directions for future product sets, future service sets within Attica. And so a very turbulent time right now. Um, And as we, as I enter into, you know, the Christmas break, and I'll go into this one in the next episode, um, there's a lot of things I need to plan out to capitalize on that time. So, as always, thank you so much for stopping by to watch this on YouTube, on the vlog series, or listen to this on the podcast. And as always, I can't wait to see you guys next time.